Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Pull over into a lay-by, for heaven's sake. Get out the thermos from the boot. Get your blanket out and lay it out in a nearby cornfield. What could be better? And enjoy Joyride. Baked, boiled, roasted or chipped, potatoes are here to stay. (laughs) Much like today's guest, (laughs) the queen of contemporary art, it's Cornelia Parker. Oh, welcome. How about that for an intro, eh? I'm I'm very pleased. That's a a good one. Quickly from (laughs) potatoes to fine art. And and you've had a corned beef and uh, pickle sandwich here today. I had a uh, corned beef and beetroot sandwich. Sorry, beetroot. Corned beef and beetroot, which is yeah. actually uh, Jim's favourite. Yes. It's, it's, it's his signature sandwich, which we get made wow. up of. Wow. Yeah. Do you like beetroot? I do. I don't really like beetroots very much. I think they're all right, but their colour, I can't look at that colour and it makes me feel You can also use the colour to use as a dye as well, to dye yes, perhaps tattoo a beanie yourself. hat. <laughs> but I haven't got a beanie hat. Well, a T-shirt, a pair of socks. Yeah, well, beetroot, I'm, I'm, uh, I would like to advocate the beetroot as, Clearly. What, as in my top five vegetables. What's your number one? Onion. Oh, I like onion. Yeah, you yeah. didn't hesitate with that either. Oh, no, no. no, no I You've been storing that for a while, haven't you? No. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I was at a, a pub in south-east London called the Montague Arms in New Cross in, let me say, 1981, and they used to have competitions, and one of the competitions was who can eat the onion the first. <laughs> and there would be three, so you got three of them, three people on stage. I was one of them and two sailors. And I won, and the sailors got irate because I looked a bit, a bit new romantic, a bit foppy, a bit you know, arty. frilly shirted. They wanted to have it out with me outside. Who ate the onion? How dare I eat the onion? <laughs> because first? you were better at eating onions than them. And, and, and was it raw? It was raw, yeah, yeah. Eating a raw onion, that was the competition. So See if, if it's it your number one veg, a yeah. raw onion? Yeah, a raw onion for me, yeah. Ooh. Raw, cooked, boiled. You and I have both had a go in a. A steamroller. We did. It was about the Turner Prize, I think. I think it's about 20 years of Turner Prize or I 25 years. Or, uh... So what we did was get in a, a steamroller and crushed some trophies. And a trumpet or trombone. Was trump- this your idea? Um, I don't know. I wish it was my idea. That's what I've done for a piece of work. I've, oh, yeah. I've steamrolled a load of silver plate and it's called 30 Pieces of Silver. And it's. Uh, but did you use a, st- a steamroller? I, no, I, you... I, I used a steamroller. So For the you... first time. Um, it was only 10 tonnes, though. You know, I got sort of addicted to squashing things, and then I ended up using a 250-tonne press cool. in an industrial works, yeah. uh, and that was very satisfying. Also, I was living in Leytonstone, and my house was going to be knocked down for a motorway imminently for, for about 10 years, and that 
you know, I'd have nightmares with steamrollers and squashing a load of precious stuff or not so precious stuff would, you know, liberate me from that. I like the idea of squashing things that will then liberate you from them and having. Would you have, and when you said steamroller, was it a steamroller or just a, um, a big diesel powered? No, it was a proper steamroller. Um, so it had did steam go, coming out of it. How did you get hold of the steam? Did you really I hired it. I hired this. I hired this. Is that easy guy. to do? No, it's not. Especially not in November. But this guy had his own breakers yard, and he had the steamroller, and um, he had been hired out for things before. He he'd actually dressed as Barbara Windsor in some carry-on film, and he drove his steamroller over, you know, her bike. I think it was. Yeah. So I I, I just think that's very funny. Um, but but yeah. Anyway, and he told all his mates who was you know came along with their kids to wash the squashing because I was squashing <laughs> about a thousand pieces of you know silver plate. Fantastic. And they said it was their dream as a steamroller driver. It was their wet dream to squash such stuff. It's such a great thing to do. I mean, I think what a great artwork. I did once the I, on, I was on tour in, with Squeeze in America, and I built a small Corvette Stingray a model which was about sort of the size of my hand but maybe a bit bigger you know plastic kit sort of thing and I spent quite a long time and for some reason where I had the chopped up end of a finger which we put in the driver's seat as the, like the driver was the finger sort of thing and I spent quite a long time but then I thought I didn't know what to do with it so Glenn Tilbrook said I think it would be a good idea to see if we could get the bus to jump over it so in a car park we got the Silver <laughs> Eagle bus with a little a ramp six inches off of the ground or something like that and we put the little model corvette just in front of the ramp and the and the bus went up it didn't fly over the the it uh, squashed it, it, but it squashed and i was rather heartbroken to see my little corvette squash but i felt as though completely crushed so when you did that artwork i felt this is somebody doing it really properly when you rang up the <laughs> the breakers did you say is it possible for me to hire a um a steamroller to crush a trumpet <laughs> No, because there's only one trumpet in a hundred, you know, thousand other objects. No, right? but how do you broach the? Do you oh, tell yeah, them so what you want? yeah, what you well, want? Yeah, well, I'd explain that I was an artist, you know, and they always expect you to be mad if you're an artist. And then yeah, you so say, you get away with say it, yeah. I've got this idea, you know, which I like to squash some stuff, and uh, and he goes, oh, squash some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I got him hooked at that moment. <laughs> so he, he he was great. He was really great. Also, he had a concrete driveway which is another thing that was needed otherwise the stuff would just embed itself in the tarmac so he had the two ingredients which is a working steamroller and and a concrete path Mm. i used to like watching the steamroller you could always hear them coming around the corner couldn't you yes there was a terrible rumbling and a lovely smell there's a very nice smell they have that's for the aroma of the the, uh, have you been to the dorset steam fair i haven't i long to go i've been to other steam fairs i like that 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 one is that the one i think it's the biggest one in the country and we went there last with my daughter when she was i don't know about six or something and she's got red hair and there was all these red-haired children <laughs> running around <laughs> uh away from the irish you know contingent and uh, so we, we lost her at one point we <laughs> trying to check all these red-haired children out. but they had a whole nightlife there which we didn't really stay for but you know they they had bare knuckle boxing you know they had dancing it was just amazing i went to one near canterbury it's on every year. I went last year, and there was some bare knuckle fighting going on, which is quite frightening when you close Ooh, up. And yeah. also, the other interesting thing there was no one watching it. Oh, and I'll tell you what happened. This is what made me laugh. They were having these these two blokes having a proper old punch up in the ring, and then a fella came. There was no one watching, so I was watching, and this fella came up with a couple of ice creams, and they both stopped 
and and had an ice cream and then carried on fighting. Well, he was probably father and son, you know, they yes. were brothers. Um, <laughs> yeah, but a it, team working together. Oh, but they also had the Wall of Death, you know, the Wall yes. of Death, which yep. is that thing yeah. like a drum, and that is the most scary thing, you know, as a as a spectator. And I, I think I think the Wall of Death also is made of wood, which makes it even more. You yeah, know, they have a ball of death that's made of metal. A ball of death, but the oh. wall of death is more frightening because it's all sort of wooden and I know, it's sort all of vaguely flimsy, and, yeah. yeah, and, and it, an old uh, motorbike as well that goes around. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a few motorbikes and they kind of do tricks, and I mean, it was just jaw dropping. I mean, you did feel like you were in another era, you know. And then, all, then they had this lovely indoor tent which had things you could buy, like flour made from wheat that they made at the fair, you know, and using all these steam driven things. Yeah, yeah. But when you, we look back over Dorset Steam Fair, at the end of it, there's this big black cloud of smoke, basically. It's the, well, it must be one of the most polluting things that. Well, is it steamed? Is it though? Is it steamed? Is it just all. Well, kind I think of... they have to power it. From coal, coal. Yes, yeah, exactly. So it's coal. But if you, coal you, you said, but it was like going to another uh, age. But if we were talking about travel, if you could travel to another age, where would you go to uh, to, to walk around for the day? I don't know. You see, every age except this one has been always crap for women. <laughs> we've got we're in the best possible place we've been, uh, you know, uh, now in in history, or perhaps ten years ago in history, or whatever. Um, I don't know. Quite like the sixties, sixties, seventies. But weren't you there then, anyway? Not in London. Not not in the sixties. A little bit before. Where were you in the sixties? I was in my mom's stomach. No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I lie. I lie. <laughs> I was <laughs> a teenager. Where? South Cheshire, not far from Crewe. Oh right, that's where I went to school. But if you if you went back to the nineteen sixties London, where would you? What is that? What you want? Well, to go Kings to? Road, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know. see the groovy people. Yeah, well, you know, Gene Shrimpton. In the in the seventies. And David Bailey. I mean, it just had a lot of mystique, didn't it? Um, Yoko Ono and John Lennon getting it together. That you know, no, it's yeah. incredible. It's a credible time. I mean, there was a Did lot. Did it of... really happen? I don't know. That's why I want to go there to find <laughs> exactly, out. Yeah. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My father was a abysmal driver, really bad driver. And uh, I remember was, we had a standard 10 car. Do you know what they look like? Yes. A little jelly mould. Yep. And we went to Wales in it, which was a terrible ordeal. Mammoth journey. Because there's five of 10. us stuffed into this tiny car. Oh, no, actually, we got the car there. We went in this other car, small car. I think it was Morris. And we got into the most mountainous bits of Snowdonia. And this car came around the corner and takes the side off our car. Oh. You know, luckily, none of us are you know rendered limbless and then my father bought this standard 10 car off a, a miner 
and it was oh, so the car you went in got destroyed yeah and then we came back in this jelly mold of a car which my parents had for about 10 years <laughs> <laughs> and it was covered in soot it was covered in black and we had to wash you know we had to spend all, all our holiday time washing this car but my father it just was having crashes all the time. He was just really bad driver. Was he a really bad driver? Yeah. So he went almost went on holiday, ex- almost half expecting to have to buy a new car because he was like he just knew <laughs> something was going to happen to. I remember to this one. We were in. I was in the back of the car with my boyfriend. I was grown up by then, and my parents were in the front. And my father just got this new car, newish car, but he could accelerate, and no car he'd ever been in could accelerate. <laughs> so he decides to accelerate and overtake this truck in front, and, and we're heading to this big hill, and we don't know what's going to be coming the other way and I screamed at him to pull back pull back which he did and luckily because was you know another truck came the other way but he, he for some reason he didn't seem to have much <laughs> road skills no luck uh, at all and I've had two quite bad car accidents um, yeah the first one was in Wales and I shattered my pelvis in 15 ah. places in this car accident I was only getting about five miles per hour and this other car came very fast and whacked me. The very day that Ayrton Senna died was oh. the day that I had this accident. Anyway, so I think I spent most of my time in post-traumatic shock and not not that enjoyable of enjoying sort of car journeys. Yeah, <laughs> how, about, how about other... I mean, you, you must travel to, you know, because you have exhibitions and... Uh, different countries. And different countries around the world. Do you enjoy that sort of travelling out to different places? Mm. I loved going to China, for example. What did you do in China? What did what? In- I was in an exhibition called Guangzhou um, Triennale or Biennale. So it's a Biennale in a museum in Guangzhou, which is like the old Canton. Um, and it was really quite amazing because there's all these skyscrapers and I was trying to find wood to make a piece of work with. So I went at old wood because all these lovely old homes have been knocked down to make this very quick skyscraper city and the smog everywhere it's really bad and I go out to the edge of town um, to, to see if I can buy wood or get wood and um, went to a wood yard which was amazing um, and there's all these poor people in tiny little lean-to dwellings you know it's so different from what I've just seen in back in the centre of town but I think my favourite thing is to go and make a piece of work in a country oh because you kind of get to know it in a different way. What did you make in China? Uh, I made a suspended uh, a wood piece that was leaning... It looked like a big stack of wood was leaning against the wall, but it wasn't. It was, it was just suspended in front of the wall and off the floor. So it was called No Man's Land. But many, many years ago, I was in the Sao Paulo Biennale in Brazil, and I decided I was going to make a piece with a coffin... I had the idea, I want to make, get hardwood coffin, splinter it, make it into matches. And then I had my car accident at the hospital. It was my shattered pelvis. And the British Council said, oh, yes, about that coffin. We've got a few undertakers that we want to take you to. And I said, I've gone off the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, don't forget you're British. <laughs> you know, like get your finger out, don't be so silly. So, yeah. <laughs> so when I got to Brazil, I went to all these undertakers, but they seemed to be trying to sell me a whole funeral when all I wanted was the coffin. Yeah, they didn't realise it was an artwork. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got the coffin, finally, for the right price. And then I went to the studio in, in Sao Paulo with some other artists, you know, Brazilian artists, and this coffin come, gets carried in, you know, and they put it down in my space, and they were looking at me as if I was completely mad. And then I put it in the Biennale, along with my exploded shed. 
Oh, that's I love seen that. That's yes, great, isn't it? Really, really great. Did you have something at the Whitney last year? Um, on the roof. Oh, that's the Met Metropolitan Museum. Was that at yeah. the Met? Because I, I think the I saw, Psycho I Barn. The year before, yeah, the Psycho House. Psycho Barn, yeah. But yeah, I saw it was, that it was a, a couple of years ago. It was a facsimile of the Psycho House set uh, made out of an old red barn from upstate New York. So it was a red Psycho House, um, and it was put on the roof of the Met as a, you know they have an annual sculpture commission. Could you did you just see it from the pavement, or could you go in it? Uh, you could see it from the park. It's quite good because everybody can look up at the Met and see this Psycho House, and then it's a bit like seeing it on the hill yes um, and then uh, they put this poster outside the um, Met massive poster you know a big banner which is supposed to be about three times the length of this room Kunini Park <laughs> it's like a bomb. I was thinking oh yes I've made it <laughs> that's nice isn't it it yeah. was it's lovely to have a big banner so tell us about, take us through this journey the inception of the psycho barn to the fruition I mean, how, what, how did you think it up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I um, went to New York um, and I looked at the space, you know, on the roof, you know, the curator, the person who asked me to make the piece. And uh, I just thought it's the best possible place in the universe to make a piece of work for because you've got New York out there. It's just... The skyline. Yeah, just so beautiful. And Central Park and just, just incredible. And all these, quite a lot of these buildings, you know, are attached to films, you know. Like the Dakota building is Rosemary's Baby um, and John Lennon. You know, lots of very filmic. And the first idea I had was to put a red barn on the roof because Central Park used to be farmland and it used to be New Amsterdam. That's what they're going to call New York, New Amsterdam. Yeah. And so I was, I was thinking about Dutch barns. I was thinking about um, the, the farms that used to be where the Met was. Um, there was also an amazing shanty town on Central Park. Um, it was called Hooversville. This is the terrible depression. You know, people were built houses, shanty houses on Central Park. And um, so they named it Hooversville after Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> So, so the history of the park seemed to be all these provisional buildings. And in the Met, they have uh, Edward Hopper paintings of yeah. red barns. Um, Edward Hopper painted this painting called uh, House by the Railroad. And I read that Hitchcock loved this painting and loved Hopper and made his psycho house based on House by the Railroad. So, I, so that's where I got the... The two yeah. things coming together, the Red Barn and the... Um... It, was, it was murdered in the Red... Maria Martin, someone was murdered oh, that's in the right. That's yeah. right, that's right. The, the murder at the Red Barn. That's a, yeah. I've got an early film of that from yeah. 1930s. Yes, that's yeah. a British film, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Murder at the Red Barn. Was that an American barn? Or Maria Martin barn? is murdered. Uh -huh. Maria Martin and the murder of the red, in the Red Barn. Yeah. But, you know, all, so, the, all the politicians in America, you know, um, usually do their campaigning outside Red Barns. It's, why is that then? I think it's because it's associated with wholesomeness. And um, folksyism. Folksyism um, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's long been processed by the Americans to be this kind of, you know, cutie, you know, whatever. He's a reliable fellow. He's got a barn. I mean, <laughs> I must say, if I know somebody with a barn, they must know what they're doing somehow, mustn't they? You know. You do, yeah. but if you look in, if you're watching a film with a barn in it, you would expect someone to be murdered in it. Yes, or going to hiding. That's because we're British. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rather looking forward to. If I see a film with a barn, I'm rather looking forward to seeing their, their storage arrangements. 
for me, that's drama enough. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing how their bales are stacked and their... That would be an Oscar-winning movie, wouldn't it? Mm. I, I, I grew up on a small holding, so I'm a bit of a farm girl, really. So that, you know, resonated for me, you know, the idea of the barn. Did you grow up on a farm? Yeah, I did until I was about 14, and then we moved into a small town. What sort of farm was it? It was a, a tithed cottage with land, growing beetroot, amongst other things. Mm, nice. Um, and damsons and, you know, raspberries and strawberries and um, blackcurrants and lots of root vegetables. Um, all these lovely things that we had when I was a kid growing up. And my parents used to boil it all to a pulp, you know, <laughs> in a um, pressure cooker. Well, to- boil everything and turn it into jam. Or just turned it into nourishment that we were supposed to consume, but um, but, that, but it sounds like there was you were, you were self sufficient. We were more or less because we had cows and we could make butter until I broke the butter churn, <laughs> which meant that I had to make the butter by going like this with a jam jar, you know. So that was my punishment for breaking the butter butter churn. Uh, another thing I like that you, you threw a tea was it a teapot off the cliffs? White cliffs at Dover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's I've done that as well, um, chucked stuff off, but I never found it. I put a like um, red ribbon to it, I think. I, I marked it in some way, and then I had these twin twin got. boys who used to help me. They would go and lay, locate, you know, the objects as I threw them off. So if I went the next time I throw something off the cliffs, I should tie a red ribbon but, onto it. But what was the work called that you threw? Out Object that fell off the White Cliffs of Dover. Yeah. I don't know, it's something about the White Cliffs of Dover, which is very much about Britain and the edge of England and, you know, the, the, you know, us and them, you know, Vera Lynn singing about the White Cliffs of Dover. So it's, it's about nationalism. And, you know, the teapots are a bit like that too. You know, they're part of our Victorian Commonwealth stroke colonial past. And I was rejecting it by throwing it off to the cliff. <laughs> Is it true, I wonder? They, I was told that when the Romans first came to invade, the men of Kent appeared on the cliffs of Dover. There weren't that many of them, but they appeared with their blue-painted faces. You know, like, say there were 400 of them, but that wasn't enough to see them. You know, but the Romans just had one reconnaissance ship to come out and have a look. But they all appeared and joined hands at the top to try and frighten the Romans oh, off. Lovely. And then the Romans went back. The, 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 the blue-faced fellows and their families said, well, that's got rid of them. That's what they thought. Um, and then the Romans come back and, of course, outnumbered. Rest is history. The rest is history. That's right. Exactly. We've never looked back. What was it they used for the blueness? Woad. Yeah, but what is woad? It's what they use for the blueness. <laughs> you mean what's, you woad, what's woad made from? Yeah. yeah. I know how to do red. If they'd said to me, the Romans are coming, we want red-faced people, I'd say the beetroot. You I'm know, your but, man. But... If, if they said to me, we want you, blue fact, faces... You, you, you would have lit up, because I've got loads of beetroot here, come on, I'll smear it all over your yeah, faces. But this is the day bef- days before face paint yep. that you know you know that you can buy in a shop. That is safe and has been chemically tested and everything, yeah. Yeah, so where do you get your blue? It must be some kind of plant, don't you think? It'd be a lichen, do you reckon? Ground up bluebells? What's your favourite tunnel? Got one? Oh, oh tunnel? Oh, I don't like tunnels much, I must admit. Do um, you not? No, I prefer bridges. But oh, if there's a choice bridges. about going a huge hill, fighting through the undergrowth, meeting the hill dwellers who aren't agreeable, or going through a nice tunnel, what would you do? 
Oh, I might go meet the natives. <laughs> I always like to meet a native or two. <laughs> Even disagreeable hill, 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 hill dwellers. They're most probably relatives of mine. <laughs> How do you get about London? How do you get about London? Yeah, do you, have you got a bike? No. Roller skates? No. I, I have a bus. walk or bus. I love bus. buses. And I like normal trains. I go by normal, Kentish Town, where I live, is great because you've got normal trains, you've got the overground. You've when got, you say normal trains, what's a non-normal train? Well, the overground uh, is not Oh, really, I see. Yeah. And then there's the underground, which is not a normal train. Yes. And then there's a normal train. Do you know what um, I found recently, talking about underground, the underground trains, the ones I remember the most, the pattern on the seats, was orange and yellow oblongs on oh, the, right. the material that covered it. But you can get all manner of furniture made out of the old all the materials, materials from the trains that are going way back to when the first began. Oh, how lovely. Is that through the shop? You Is go to the, the British Transport Museum. And, but if you look on that, it's fantastic. And oh, I lovely. didn't realise how many different seat coverings there was it's, it's over like the years. Scottish tartans. Is, you know, yeah, you, and there's some fantastic ones. There's a, the, my favourite is the one, it's, it's a kind of, I don't know when it was, the 20s or 30s, or it's, a little, it's leaves. So they'd ah. obviously started sending the trains out of town hmm. into, into the greenery. Into, into the metro land. And, yeah, and then, then the patterns on the seats are little leaves. The British Underground have got brilliant design, you know, yes. going way back. Do you know they based a lot of the more Art Deco-looking ones and the concrete ones and the Underground part? One of them, I think it's Gantz Hill, is an exact replica of uh, one of the biggest stations in Moscow because the fellow that designed it had been in Moscow and had looked at their underground stations, made loads of sketches and thought this works rather well. Gantz Hill, wow. Have you been to it? No, I did visit Arnos Grove just to admire the station. But I know Arnos Grove, I've been there, that's great, isn't it? I really like that. Have you been to Moscow or Leningrad? I I haven't been. I've been to St Petersburg, but I would like to go to Moscow, yeah. I went there in 1986, 1986. But the, the undergrounds are just gorgeous. They call them the people's palaces or people's palace, you know, because it's for the people. But they've got chandeliers, you know, it's it's most gorgeous things. The Soviet architecture, I really sort of was mm. very brutal. I mean, I didn't want to live in it, but I love looking yeah. at it. No, it's, I love um, all that stuff. Do you like brutalist architecture? Oh, I do, I do, I love it. Yeah. Beautiful, really love it. Um, but all the water towers, you know, yeah. they get everywhere. I mean, those are yes. brutalist architecture as well. Those, yeah. Yes, it's not just limited to bus carriages. I mean, they spread <laughs> right out. Hospital water towers, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Do they still use those water towers? Turn a friend of mine's a... bought one. Is it one of those mushroom-shaped ones? No, the, it's not. Round... It's, it, it used to be a metal metal frame with a box on the top. Yeah. So it wasn't particularly beautiful. Do you know who used to live in one of those? Who's that? Cat Weasel. Do you remember him? <laughs> Do you remember Did Cat he? Weasel? I live in a water. I didn't know that. Cat Weasel lived in a water tank. Oh, how sweet. And he was a medieval wizard who was transported into the, uh, the 1970s and ended up living in a water tower and trying to find his way around the modern world and finding it difficult to the point that he was generally in tears by the end of each episode. <laughs> it sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a message from our sponsors. Have you ever considered moving to a new house with a garage on a new estate in the new town? A new town with new shops. A new industrial estate on the Ring Road. And a new wife and children. The new town. Near you. Today.
Have you ever sort of done something that you hadn't thought you could do at all and had gone on some journey where you've learned some completely new thing and have taken a new thing or have taken something out of your comfort zone and, 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 and achieved it? I remember um, wanting to interview Noam Chomsky. <laughs> Who? Noam Chomsky. He's a, a philosopher of uh, linguistics at uh, M- MIT, but he, he more than that, he's a one of the, the world's great intellects um, and very political. He's really political. And I was consumed with the, the horror of what, you know, recognising what climate change was going to dish up for us about 12 years ago. And I was asked to make a piece of work for a Biennale in Sharjah, which is in the mi- Middle East, about, you know, green things. So I thought I'd film an interview with Noam Chomsky, who hadn't spoken about climate change yet either. And um, Adam, do you know Adam Curtis? You know who me exactly? Yeah, yeah and I, I know Adam not very well, but I was telling him I really wanted to um, do this thing, but I was too scared. And he goes, no, do it, do it. You know, he was really urging me to, you know, just just go and do what you want to do sort of thing. So I went off to America and I went and filmed Noam Chomsky <laughs> about the end of the, the world vis-a-vis climate change. Um, and he was actually lovely, really great. And his secretary came in and said, right, no more, no more questions. And I told him at the beginning I'd got eight questions for him, you know, just in case he was going to just ask one and he'd spend all the time, you know. Um, And then he said, oh, no, I think uh, Cornelia has one more question, you know. (laughs) And so she goes off and, and it's about fear in America. You know, people not wanting to acknowledge that this thing was happening. And he was brilliant. He just went on this monologue about fear, which was, you know, the best thing about the interview. And, um, yeah, and then I presented that, the the Sharjah Biennale, um, and I didn't fly out there. (laughs) You know, I didn't... I was trying not to make a big car. How did you get there? I didn't go... What about a sailboat? Yeah, what about a sailboat? That'd be <laughs> Have you nice, got one? It? Yes, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not Greta, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it'd be, I, I'm with you. I mean, I'd do that. I'd go to America on one. If uh, uh, have you been? No. On not on a sailboat, but I can see no reason why not. Do what about go. a hot air balloon? Oh God, no! <laughs> I'd quite like that because it's silent and you can be very nosy with a hot air balloon. You yeah. can hover right over people's gardens and they're not even aware you're there. Except for the big shadow that goes across the lawn. Yeah, except for, yeah exactly, where you're completely sort of like a, a, an eclipse of the sun is you that's coming up and blotting their sort of light out. But the only other thing, I think the trouble with a hot air balloon is you're not completely, you can't just steer it like you can a sort of... Um, uh, what about if you got on a trade wind? <laughs> what about if you didn't want to go that way? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't get in one of those for love. No money. No, me neither. That a basket. No. A basket. No way. Just the yeah. fact that I know that there's a bit of wicker under my arse between that but that's and how the you land. Come but that's, that's what you wear when you come here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's time to say thank you. Okay. Thank you for those insights. Thank you for uh, putting us that information in our minds about exploding sheds, about crushed tubers <laughs> and red barns and, and appropriately tossed off teapots <laughs> thank you Cornelia Park thank you thank you well there goes Cornelia travelling home in a bubble shaped car 
Is it a bowl-shaped car? A jelly it... mould-shaped car. It's a standard ten that she said she had. That's what it's called. <laughs> this podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.